Welcome in. This is the Lions 24-7 podcast. It is our third edition of the week, which as far as I understand is an all-time high for this show. And it was necessary this week, as we'll get to in just a moment. I'm Tyler Donahue, joined as always by Sean Fitz. Um, For those who may have missed it, on Wednesday afternoon, uh, Mark Brennan and I recorded a breaking news podcast, something we haven't really done before, but this was news coming out of Penn State uh, that certainly warranted it. As Tommy Stevens uh, entering the NCAA transfer portal, that was confirmed by Lions 24-7 on Wednesday, and and Mark and I spent about 20 minutes talking about what that means for Tommy Stevens, what that may mean for the quarterbacks uh, who could be left behind if he elects to go to a different school. We're talking Sean Clifford, Will Levis. There's a couple true freshmen, uh, and Mark and I also you know discussed what led to this point. So on this edition of the podcast, uh, we are not going to spend as much time diving into this subject. Uh, again, 20 minute podcast available for you all from Wednesday. There are several stories up. I wrote one online. 24-7 Wednesday evening regarding the future of Penn State's quarterback room if Tommy Stevens is not in it. Um, now, we got a lot to get to today. We're going to speak with Devin Ford, a senior at North Stafford High School in Virginia who signed with Penn State in December. He is nearing his enrollment at the university. Him and Noah Kane, who we, we talked about a lot earlier this week on the podcast for his performance in the spring game, those two form one of the more compelling duos of freshman running backs coming to any campus in America. Devin talks about that, talks about what he's doing to get ready for his first preseason camp at the college level. A bunch of stuff with Devin, who's always a great conversation with him. Uh, additionally, position breakdowns goes beyond the quarterback spot. There are question marks coming out of spring camp. Uh, Sean and I will go through a couple key positions, including receiver, running back, safety, try to get a read on what's there now and what things may look like in all. August going into September at those spots. But first, I want to bring in Sean because he was not part of that conversation with Mark and I on Wednesday. Uh, Sean, you know, just laid it all out on the table uh, yesterday. I would love to hear what you think about Tommy Stevens' decision to enter the NCAA transfer portal and how that may impact these 2019 Nittany Lions. Well, thank you, Tyler, and thank you to you and Mark for hopping on that one on Wednesday. I was a little bit uh, out of touch, uh, so nobody got my scorching hot take on the podcast. I do recommend you check that out. I think it's been our most listened to episode so far, and that's, uh, you know, speaks for itself about what kind of impact this has on the 2019 team. Without Tommy Stevens there, I mean, it changes a couple of things. Sean Clifford is a, is a fairly athletic kid. He's, you know, it, it, it's a situation where if he takes over the offense, I think you're, you see a little bit of a change toward a more conventional uh, thing. It's not to say he can't run or anything like that, but Stevens just provides a little bit more of a threat from that aspect. And, you know, if, just going back to the situation in general, I mean, it's a, it's a situation where both sides are kind of protecting their interests. Um, I, I've said for a while, I thought, I thought Tommy was the guy. Um, apparently it's a little bit more open than that. And I think that's been communicated based on talking to people. I think that's been communicated to both of those guys and, and Tommy, you know, he's sort of protecting his interest. Uh, you know, if he doesn't win the job, he's out of luck because it's his last year regardless. And, and we'll see what happens with that. Now, uh, you know, I, I do think there's a sliver of, of, of hope that he does come back, but do, do I see that happening realistically? I, I don't think he'd be in the portal if that were the, cho- if that were the, uh, the choice that he's planning to make. I know it's probably not ideal for him to go out and try and find a spot right now. Mississippi State's obviously a place that everybody's going to point to, and I think that makes sense. Could also end up in uh, in the conference at Rutgers is a spot that I think is it would be attractive to a quarterback. They're really in a situation where you know they, they there's nowhere to go but up. So Stevens could step into it, but I mean realistically. Mississippi State looks to me like the the obvious landing spot. He knows the offense, um, that they don't have an incumbent starter, tr- uh, truly incumbent starter as Nick Fitzgerald's off to the NFL. But I mean, it's uh, it's one of those things where I don't think there's a really a cut and dry situation or cut and dry solution on both sides. I mean, you've got a guy that, you know, many thought was probably promised the job after Trace left. And and, you know, Sean Clifford got those reps in the spring. We talked about how valuable that would be. And he came back and and, and sort of made his case for it. So now I think if Tommy stayed, I think that the chances of him winning the job pretty decent. Um, But uh yeah, I mean, that's one of those risks. I mean, if he decides to leave, it decides a risk that he wouldn't be able to take. And, you know, for a guy that's been as loyal as he has over the last couple of years, I mean, that's uh, that's pretty pretty crazy to think about. So I, I, I can see it on both sides. And Tyler and I talked about this a little bit off, uh, off air as just, 
you know, it's it, it's such a thin line for Tommy Stevens because if he doesn't win that job, he's all of a sudden on the sideline and, you know, the, the potential pro career kind of goes up in smoke. And at the same time, I mean, Franklin, we talked about it on the, on the episode earlier this week, Franklin also has to protect Sean Clifford's interest in this. So um, certainly a, a big deal for the 2019 season. This isn't a, something that, uh, you know, I don't think can have a, a, a real – clean divorce or anything like that it's not going to look good on either side but you know there's solutions out there and I think we'll you know that they're probably gonna have to find one pretty soon because right now I don't see him coming back competition across the roster what are we kind of focusing in on after the spring camp as the dust settles and one of the things here it wasn't a question of a starting position or a competition really it was what is Micah Parsons year number two going to look like and uh, we had a very very small sample size of the spring game not much to take away there Uh, but this is a guy who's confident as he ever has been Uh, second year playing linebacker it sounds like the hesitancy is gone and for someone who is now listing himself six three and a half 245 pounds and in the best physical shape of his life it's just a combination that creates major expectations for his sophomore year really better be in the best shape of his life that's that's kind of why he's here but yeah I mean it's it's not so much physical with Micah Parsons it's always been about making the reads it's always been about getting to the right spot on the field and it seems like you know we talked to Brent Pry after after the blue white game seems like he's making those strides and if he can do that um, you know it's it's a pretty solid linebacker group we expect Parsons to start alongside Jan Johnson and Cam Brown I, I think we'll see a lot of Brown and Parsons out there I know that's not typically the way that they've gone in the last couple of years they pull that Sam off during pack uh, excuse me uh, pass rushing downs or passing plays and uh, work with the, the Mike and the will I think we'll see a lot of Cam Brown and Micah Parsons and I think that's a really good duo to work on for a group that's really come along and, and sort of built up its it and, and cultivated its own depth. I mean, I expect Ellis Brooks to be right there in the middle and, and, and pressuring Jan Johnson for that job. Uh, Jesse Lucchetta, we'll see where he's at. And then we'll talk a little bit later about the backup Sam job. But uh, I think you've, you can find four or five linebackers, probably five linebackers out of that group that, that could start at a lot of places. And that's in a good place because you think about where things were last offseason and, and Manny Bowen was kind of hanging in the air and you thought he might have to show up and, 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 and really help things out. And right now coming out of camp, you, you feel pretty good about what you've got at the top of that depth chart, you know, building in as far as primary backups. And uh, I think one thing that stood out from Micah this spring when we did have a chance to speak with him for about 20 minutes is he mentioned he's focusing in on multiple positions as well. He thinks they're going to have a chance to, to, to you know, move guys around, get look for combinations that work for them. Them. And I think that kind of speaks to the overall versatility, athleticism we see displayed in this defensive front seven. You're talking about some some really impressive edge rushers and then a linebacker group that is loaded with former five-star, four-star talent for good reason. So I think other opponents this year, if things go according to plan for Penn State, I think athletically they're going to have a hard time countering what Penn State can throw at your offensive backfield. Well, we could see that right away with with Cam Brown suspended for the first half of the Idaho game based on the, the targeting penalty in the in the bowl game against Kentucky. I mean, maybe Parsons flips over and plays a little bit of Sam. They can see what they've got there, get him a little bit of experience there, Frank, kind of a low-risk situation to get him some experience, maybe get Luketta in there as well, uh, maybe even b- bounce Ellis Brooks around but and play some Brandon Smith too. So they've got options there, and I, I do think, you know, Micah as a Sam is kind of fascinating because I know it's probably not uh, not really in his wheelhouse. I mean, that's a lot of space to play for a guy who's typically been an edge rusher for, for most of his football career. But the, the prospects of him out in space running around doing some things and, and basically freewheeling, um, I think that's that's probably pretty exciting to think about. And then, of course, you've got the other guys and, and how that impacts them. So, uh, yeah, the, the defense really, I mean, you come out of spring and, and you're really not too worried about some spots on defense. Still have to, to tighten up a couple of positions. But, I mean, linebacker is pretty well cut and dry. Once they find that second Sam, you probably know what your two deep looks like right now. Lance Dixon, Tr- uh, Charlie Catcher sort of battling for that spot. But they've got guys that can cross train. They've got guys that can play in other spots. And, and I think they'll be okay and and you can even see Parsons you know eventually coming off the edge uh, maybe moving down playing some stand-up DN maybe even putting his hand in the dirt uh, on a passing down we'll see what happens but you you got a lot of options if you're Brent, Brent Pry in that situation 
Yeah, and for the sake of Taquan Roberson and, and Michael Johnson on Saturday, very vanilla approach. Uh, we saw them rack up some sacks. Didn't see any hard hits out there, but uh, quarterbacks this fall uh, head on a swivel with this defense. Um, speaking of protecting the quarterback, Penn State has a couple of vacant starting spots on their offensive line. Uh, as we addressed on Monday, Rashid Walker uh, seems to have himself in a very strong position to lock down that left tackle spot. Barring anything unforeseen, that's what we're anticipating. You know, right guard, though, um, that's one that I think goes into August, maybe even September. Uh, you've got Mike Miranda, C.J. Thorpe, a couple guys who arrived on campus together back in 2017. Uh, C.J. Thorpe, of course, noted for his uh, journey to the defensive line room and then back again, um, you know, costing him a couple months there of, of development on the interior of the offensive line. Uh, but I think they're pretty excited about both of these players. And again, I'm not sure if we'll see things shake out, you know, before week two, week three of, of the regular season even. I'm not sure that they'll be, you know, in, in line by then, to be honest with you. Franklin has made it a point a couple of times this spring to say that both got both of those guys will play this fall, and I fully expect both of them to play. You know, you kind of want to cross-train Miranda a little bit as a center. Um, you know, Hunter Kelly stepped up, was the second-team center, but uh, you're not really sure where that's going, especially without Juice Scruggs in there. But these guys both have an opportunity to win that right guard spot. I think uh, Thorpe certainly uh, made, you know, I, I guess we could say probably made bigger strides based on where he was coming from. Miranda's a guy they like. He played solid late in the year last year, but Thorpe, I think, might have that you know a little bit higher ceiling. So we'll see where that goes. Uh, I think both of them are, are serviceable right now. Both of them certainly will will have things to work on, especially in the pass protection game. Um, but but I think you got a couple of young linemen there that can contribute, whether that be center, whether that be guard. They can contribute over the next couple of years, and you can feel pretty good about putting those guys in there. Um, Bates and McGovern for 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 them being draftable guys this year. I mean, really, if you look back at the tape, it really wasn't a ton of uh, difference from what we saw. So um, I'll be interested to see how these guys step in. You mentioned Rasheed Walker. Um, I, I do think he's solidified himself the left tackle. One thing that uh, that I noticed watching that broadcast, and of course we don't we don't watch the game live with the the, the Millen broadcast or the the Big Ten Network broadcast. And you mentioned Des Holmes was going to be that third guy at tackle, right? Uh, or, or I'm sort of paraphrasing there, but you mentioned Des Holmes is the third guy at tackle right now. Thought that was interesting. Again, look back at him uh, in the spring game and thought he did a pretty good job for himself. So we'll see where that goes. But uh, yeah, you're, you, it's another one of those spots where you have to cultivate depth. It's another one of those spots where you know I think there's going to be growing pains. Rasheed Walker is probably going to make some people slap themselves in the forehead a couple of times this year, but he's got the talent. You can see that uh, just just putting on the spring game film, you can see he's got the ability to do so. He's just going to have to grow into that position a little bit. and We'll we'll see where things go uh, in late September, early October. And when you are a top five prospect at your position, like Rasheed Walker was, you know, that comes with expectations long-term of, you know, eventual NFL uh, paydays and, and draft status and all that stuff. But right now they don't really need Rasheed Walker to look like an eventual first round NFL pick said this in the past. They just need a guy who can be out there and, and game the game, progress, play consistent football and handle the guy across from him because the offense just has a lot of moving parts. And I think it's a big thing for them that we're not talking about Rasheed Walker, you know, a guy who hasn't gone out and won that job for him. It seems like he's gone out and won that job. And, and when you talk about the third tackle, that experience is going to, you know, that's huge. You look at the last couple of years, Chaz Wright, Will Fries, um, you know, you needed a third guy. And, and it wasn't a perfect situation in either case when they had to go that route, but it, it could have been a lot worse when you're, you know, reaching to the sideline and bringing in your, your third offensive tackle. So definitely a spot not to be overlooked. Um, in, in terms of, of position groups that we look here in 2019 and compare to last year, uh, we talked a lot about growth in different rooms, but to me, the biggest contrast is that kicker because last year Carson Landis was the only kicker on this team. Um, you know, there was there was talk about what would Gillikin need to get involved as a kicker. Um, you know, and maybe sacrificing some some time as a punter, whatever. The 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 thing we saw this year was you know, three or four deep of guys who can kick the ball far. Uh, the accuracy varies among the group, but I think up top when it's Jake Pinniger, who is your scholarship kicker right now and did a nice job as a freshman for the most part. And then you've got Vlad Hilling, Rafael Cheka, Cheka handling kickoff duties as a true fre freshman last year. I know Justin Tobin's involved there. Carson Landis, as you reminded me, still on the roster. But I think up top, those three, Pinniger, Cheka, Hilling, 
all three of those, I feel like Penn State uh, is in a pretty good spot if they need to rely on any of them. Now, we don't know how, how the other two are going to react to a Beaver Stadium crowd or a pressure moment. Jake Penninger has some experience with that now. Uh, but I think compared to last year, it is just a tremendous, tremendous leap um, in terms of who they have in this room with the new special teams coordinator, by the way. And for folks who, you know, maybe want to downplay the importance of this or what you've got going on as a kicker, you know, this is a team that, you know, what seven of the last nine losses this team has dealt with have been by three or fewer points. It's a big deal. I think it's night and day compared to where they were at last year, and I don't think that's saying much considering who was on the roster. But if Jake Pinneger can get the ball in the air, I think he'll be fine. Joe Lorig said it in his initial press conference. They came in and noticed several things right away, and it was you know it was sort of habit uh, to, to to get to that right hash, to kick it low, to do all that stuff. That stuff. And you know he's there for a reason. He's the head coach of the special teams for a reason, and I think he's done a nice job. Basically, what we've seen this far, uh, excuse me, thus far in camp is you know, a, a little bit more rainbow, a little bit more uh, trajectory, you know, about that 45 degree launch angle, or maybe even a little bit higher when you were talking about him barely clearing the line last year. So I like what I've seen of Pinnaker this year. I think he'll be fine eventually. Um, but yeah, there's no shortage of leg strength there. Cheka was out there bombing them the other day in, uh, in the blue white game pre pregame. And uh, I think, I think the situation that they had, the setup that they had last year with uh, him being the kickoff guy and Pinnaker being the field goal extra point guy, I think that's perfectly fine. I don't see a reason to change that. I, I you know, they obviously both have, a, you know, a lot of things to work on Pinnaker with the trajectory Checo with kind of keeping it between the lines as he kind of scattered a couple late in the year last year. But I think that's, that's certainly things that they can work on. Uh, you know, feeling pretty good about the special teams coming out of spring. I think Penn State is, is as well. Uh, didn't change as much as I thought they would from a schematic standpoint, but you really, there's, there's probably not a ton that you can do to change things. Uh, the variances in special teams formations and things like that are, are pretty, pretty similar. So, um, I, I, I like where Penn State stands coming out of special teams. I think Pinnaker's the guy. I think Czech is the kickoff guy. Of course, Gillikin's not being supplanted anytime soon. And, and the coverage teams, I think, will, will benefit from Joe Lorig. So, uh, you know, feeling, feeling pretty decent about that unit right now. I'm, I'm very curious to see what the trust is with Pinnaker because he's a guy who, who you started to see used as more of a weapon last year. Early on in the season, they clearly wanted to make sure uh, they weren't going to shake up his confidence. There was that kick in, in poor weather at Pittsburgh uh, that didn't go through. There were some struggles early, uh, but then he hit his groove, I thought, in, in Big Ten play, came up big in that game against Iowa. Um, and, and a notable thing here to kind of give you the an idea of where Penn State staff was at the end of last year. And, of course, again, a new new regime change in terms of who's in that special teams uh, room, but 11 field goal attempts uh, from 40 yards and beyond. That was second most in the Big Ten. Now, he only made five of those 11. There were some blocks involved, but that they'll trot him out there. Uh, you know, I, I know some people will say, well, the offense stalled. That's not a good sign. But, you know, if you're going to trot out your true freshman kicker to try those, um, you know, I think he, he, he made a lot of strides in, in, in establishing himself, himself as someone who the staff is confident in. But, again, behind them, I think they're building some nice, nice depth, that kicker. Um, there are position battles to address, and, and they're going to continue for the next few months, and they'll be something that we, we circle back to for sure um, before preseason camp gets underway in August. And at wide receiver, there are a lot of names to go through. Through. There will be four new scholarship players joining the roster between now and summer camp. A couple of grad transfers in Weston Carr out of the Div Division II level, and then George Campbell, the former five-star by way of Florida State, and then T.J. Jones, John Dunmore, high school standouts in the state of Florida, making their way north to join this roster. Um, we'll get to those guys in a second, Sean, but when you look at this group in the spring, I think Justin Shorter, Daniel George, when you look beyond Dotson and Hamler, Kind of what we expected. Those two, you know, they seem to be pushing. Justin Shorter was the starter for the blue-white game. Um, he caught one pass out there, got a few targets. I know there's a lot of excitement about him and what he's done on the practice field and where he can go from here. Um, but, you know, you look at what Sh Shorter's done and what he has not done. You look at what Jahan Dotson is, and I have to be reminded that, you know, he only had 200 and change receiving yards last year on fewer than 20 catches. You know, he finished the season so strongly, it's, it's, it's easy to forget that he really you know, didn't have a whole body of work over the course of the season. And K.J. Hamler, of course, we've got one year of sample size. It's just astounding to look at this room and you know, review what we know about these guys, what we think we know. 
but ultimately we just there's not a lot of game tape on this group as a whole and you know one of the first things that that we heard from uh you know Jared Parker when he got this job was that he's never been around a receiver room this young and while is a challenge I think there's certainly some excitement involved there because you've got a lot of uh, untapped potential at the college level and, and a, a bevy of former blue chip prospects that I think a lot of receiver coaches would love to have their shot at uh you know formulating into a strong receiver group but we're not there yet we've got a ways to go to see yet. where it and goes what, what we'll see is a development I mean you're going to go from six scholarship guys to ten scholarship guys you're going to find a pecking order and try and find that top six I know John Dunmore and TJ Jones are coming in you know a little bit behind the eight ball as, as uh, freshman enrollees in the summer but uh, to, to me I mean it kind of hinges on what you're going to get out of the grad transfers again I we said it endlessly that I think Weston Carr is probably the more um, reliable guy to get through. You're not sure what George Campbell is going to be a complete wild card there, but going back to it, Shorter has got to be the guy that steps up. I mean, he's got this, uh, he's got this pedigree. We're, we're still waiting to see it. We're still waiting to see him grab it and run with it, um, which I think is uh, kind of been a common theme all spring, but uh, he's got the opportunity to do so. I thought it was very interesting in talking to, to Ricky after the game that he thought K.J. Hamler was the team's most improved player this spring. And that's uh, that's something to think about when you're talking about a, a guy that's a redshirt sophomore and we're treating him like he's you know a junior or a senior in, in like that Deshaun Hamilton type role. Um, he, he's, he's still a redshirt sophomore. He's got plenty of time to go. Um, he's going to be a guy that you, you need to step up and you need to get him the ball. I mean, it's kind of like Rondale Moore out in Purdue. You need to get him the ball. I mean, and they're different players. They're not, uh, not similar at all. But uh, you need to get him the space to get in the ball if he's off. You know, if guys are playing off the line of scrimmage, you got to get them the ball quick and see what he can do. Now, uh, you know, things might be a little bit different if he's playing on the same side as Jahan Dotson, who, you know, needs to obviously get a little bit bigger and block. But, uh, I mean, Hamler's got to be your go-to guy. Shorter's got to be the, uh, a little bit more assertive and step up. And, uh, you know, Daniel George is kind of sitting there waiting for his turn as well. So talent, never an issue um, with this group. Uh, concentration, consistency are the two things to come that it will come down to. And we'll see if they can grab that. And we won't know that until August or maybe September. KJ Hamler, again, another example of a guy that I think everyone's saying, all right, we got that figured out at receiver, uh, and now what else do we have to do? And, and Hamler, it, again, he's only played one college season, and it was a really impressive uh, for the most part. But, you know, there are certainly things for him, and then scheme-wise, uh, to get him more involved. I mean, six total touchdowns last year through the first six games, zero touchdowns in the final seven games. And, and we know that the touches weren't really there. The possessions weren't there for him. He had the ball on offense fewer than four times in three of the final five games, Sean. So, you know, certainly want to see KJ get more involved and that's obviously on Ricky Ronnie that's on Jared Parker and that's on KJ himself so he's made the improvements I think they're certainly going to make sure uh, that he is uh, you know a centerpiece for this offensive attack to open things up for others uh, and Jahan Dotson you know everything you hear about him is, is he's made the, he's made a leap again and, and he's he's due for a huge season and what we've seen in the, from the practice field footage you know wow I mean go find a, a better route runner at 19 years old uh, you know I think I think you'll have a hard time finding a lot of those guys than what Jahan Dotson is bringing to the table um and and I, Dan Chesina you know is the storybook uh you know is it is it going to continue into this season is it heck of a spring for him but you know let's all be realistic here about spring spring stars you know sometimes they will disappear and never to be heard from again and and you know certainly would love to see this story progress to the point where he is proving it again on the football field this fall uh but you know it, again the fact that we just don't know what to delve through here you got former walk-ons you got a division two all-american you got a guy who spent four years of Florida State and then you have your own young talent that you're cultivating not a lot of sure things in this group and you know but a lot of you know guys that you're just like if it clicks this guy could be a star he could be he could be a mainstay for you on offense um I, I think because of the volume of guys that they have or will have this summer um that had that potential it's going to work out for them I just wonder how deep that rotation legitimately will be once they get to Big Ten action in late September early October because that was an issue last year just could not find the right mix there were some injuries involved there but overall inconsistencies and I thought that really hurt them in terms of getting guys on the same page with McSorley last year you're going to have a first year quarterback so I think consistency will be the key and trying to maintain that not 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 working in a group of guys in September and then trying out a different thing in, in October because that's a recipe that's going to kind of lead you astray I and think you got to get him the ball attack. I think you nailed it there I mean it's going to it's going to rest on these quarterbacks and even Ronnie 
said after the game. I mean, we got to we got to get them the ball in the right spot. Now they did, they did that a couple of times on on Saturday, and there were a couple of drops. So we'll see where that goes. I'm just curious to see what how Weston Carr fits into this. I think he's a Z type guy, which is you know the the position that Jahan Dotson's playing right now. You can also slide Jahan Dotson into the slot and play a little bit, give Hamler a break, but. You, you've got options there, so we'll see what happens. Um, moving on, I think, uh, you know, it's been a lot of time on the receivers, but running backs as well. Um, really not going to have much of an answer. I think Ricky Slade's the, uh, the odds-on favorite going into August, but really not going to have much of an answer of what that split is going to be. You've got Slade, you've got Journey Brown, who, who the staff is high on. And of course, Noah Kane has worked his way into it. Devin Ford is a guy that's coming into play as well. So, um, kind of up in the air at that point. I, I, I don't see a, a big split or, excuse me, a big difference between um, no, maybe number one and number three right now. But Slade is a guy that I think they're going to lean on a little bit heavier and they're going to see what he can do and give him every opportunity to, to sort of take it and run with it. I mean, Slater's a guy who just seems to be licking his chops ab- about this, the whole process. I think he loves seeing these young, hungry running backs who, you know, I know Slater scored six touchdowns last year, but but none of these guys ha- have proven anything in terms of being uh, a vocal point for an offensive attack at the college level. So um, I think he, he, he sees them working. He sees them pushing each other. And what Noah Kane did to complete his spring practice, you know, got a lot of attention from the fans, got a lot of people talking. And, and there is some buzz about Noah Kane. And, and just who he has always been through his football career. And Devin Ford, who we're going to get to here again later in the podcast uh, for an interview, he's a guy who has every intention to get out there. But I think with running back, it, it's a good example potentially of the recruiting promise and, and the reason that we, we get excited about all these recruits and recruiting classes. Um, you can see that becoming a reality because you've got some of these guys. I know Journey Brown wasn't as highly rated, but you're getting these former five stars, former top 10 running back recruits. They're going to have three of them in the room this year, along with Brown. Um, and, and, you know, it, it stacks up, it pays dividends and, and we'll see who's ready to step up, but I, I'm with you. I think Slade seems to be the guy who's maybe a stride or half a stride ahead right now. But I looked at the numbers from last year. I don't think anybody is going to get the uh, 83% uh, usage that we saw from Miles Sanders in terms of touches uh, in the final uh, you know, nine games of the season last year. I don't see anybody reaching that stratosphere unless they surprise us with a breakout of all breakouts and seize the job and demand they're getting the ball. That the other kind thing of, is that that kind of they got to hold on to the football. And Ricky Slade has had trouble with that in the past. Uh, we haven't seen enough of sample size of Journey Brown to know that that's an issue. But, you know, that's one, that's going to be one of those things. I think you've got the quick hook if, if you put the ball on the floor. I mean, this isn't Miles Sanders out here. This isn't Saquon Barkley where you're obviously the guy. So you put the ball on the ground, uh, you're going to get the quick hook. So we'll, we'll see which one can, can hold on to the football and do the things, the pass protection, the, those little things that they sort of look for more than anything. Uh, flipping it over to the other side, and we already talked about guard a little bit, so we're not going to really touch on that. But flipping it over to the other side, safety I think still fairly open. Um, you know, got a chance to look at the blue-white game, and really nobody established themselves as as a guy that really stood out in that group. You've got Garrett Taylor on limited reps, but I think he's going to be a starter, you know, regardless. But beside him, uh, Lamont Wade and John Sutherland, still those two guys in there waiting on Brisker. John Patrician wasn't in the spring game. Tyler Rudolph played well, but I don't think he factors into this mix at all. So plenty of questions going into August uh, for, for that group. Um, just really not sure. I mean, that could go any any one of three ways, I think. I mean, you've got uh, Brisker who's coming in with uh, the obvious expectations to win the job with two years to play two, uh, or excuse me, three years to play two. Um, so he's got an opportunity to come in and, and, and sort of take that right away. Lamont Wade has been up and down throughout his career. Sutherland still has some things to learn as well. So, I mean, you, you, you can go any way in this one. And I don't know that you would, you know, if you could pick a, a train track to ride on, I don't think you would necessarily be wrong heading into the season. Which, in my opinion, makes safety kind of an outlier right now on defense. Oh, yeah. I think Shaka Tony is clearly clearly the guy who's going to step up unless something changes in that vacant defensive end spot. Antonio Shelton has put himself in a very good spot at defensive tackle. And, and by the way, Micah Parsons wasn't a starter last year. He is a starter this year. So there you go at linebacker. Uh, with the safety spot, I mean, Jaquan Brisker has always been you know, the, the asterisk in the conversation during spring camp because okay. he wasn't here yet. <laughs> well, I mean, he's always been the guy that, that we've said 
But remember, Jaquan Brisker is not on campus yet. You know, there's there's 14 players that are coming and enrolling at Penn State between now and, and spring camp, and he's the guy that has, I think, the biggest opportunity when he gets here. And he can't really afford to waste days. But as we've been saying the whole time, Lamont Wade, a guy who explored other opportunities, uh, you know, in the transfer portal this winter, still has every opportunity he could ask for heading into his junior year of college. Um, Jaquan Brister is going to come and push him. Lamont Wade will have to fend him off. Um, I definitely got to con- consider Jonathan Sutherland here. Uh, but I'm with you. I I really don't know in terms of all the positions we've talked about, especially on defense. Uh, this one seems like uh, it's hard to get a feel for. So we'll see what happens moving ahead. Um, when we look at beyond the starting group, it, depth is so important. We've talked about the third offensive tackle position. How about the uh, defensive interior? I mentioned Antonio Shelton putting himself in a good spot. If he's not the starter, it sure sounds like P.J. Mustafer would be um, coming off of a strong freshman year. Uh, beyond that, though, those top three guys, there's a lot to get into, but some positive news coming out of spring camp. Two of these players, Damian Barber, Judge Culpepper, who were asked to transition from defensive end coming out of high school, uh, they have turned a corner, according to Sean Spencer, both of those guys. And then Fred Hansard, who you're just never sure with an injury, uh, ends his season last year in October. We see him in a walking boot in Orlando back in, in January. And now here he is, a full participant, it would appear, on the, on the field. So I, I think defensive tackle, we talked about this Monday. James Franklin has addressed this as well. And Sean Spencer, uh, to, to some capacity, probably a position that is further along uh, in the process as much as any compared to what they thought they may have in mid-March. Yeah, I'm not sure I'd label Hansard a, f- a full participant, but it sure was great to see him back out there. I mean, this is a guy that, that was a nasty injury. I think it was against Michigan State last year. So, um, you know, he has an opportunity. I think if, if camp were to open and he were healthy, I think he'd probably be starting as the fourth guy. But Barber's a guy that can put pr- pressure on him. Certainly Culpepper is a guy that's uh, they're really they're they're really high on. I mean, they talk a lot about Judge Culpepper. So, um, you know, Barber is is probably the wild card kind of X factor here. I think he gives you a little bit something different than uh, than Hansard. So, uh, you know, you got some upside there as a pass rusher, as an athletic guy. Uh, Hansard needs to get obviously in better shape, and and that's through no fault of his own. He came off that injury and and really didn't really look all that effective in the spring game. But you really shouldn't have expected that if you you know if you saw him if you saw what he uh, came off of. So, um, feeling cautiously optimistic about this group maybe I mean it's I think those those first three are sort of well established and we've established that as well with Windsor uh, Shelton and Mustafer but then getting beyond that you want to build that rotation they went with a five-man rotation two years ago worked out pretty well for them Uh, so I mean it's it's one of those things where you know the more bodies that you can throw into it the 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 further those guys are going to make it into the fourth quarter and if a guy like Barber can step up and, and and win that fourth job or or even that fifth job where you're getting him legit reps as well I mean you're you're in a good spot right there let's now turn our attention from players who are on the roster to one who is very nearly on campus and that is Devin Ford I had a chance to catch up with him a few days ago uh, to discuss his future in Happy Valley and and kind of what led him there he had a ton of options and and they came early in his high school career Uh, so here's that conversation with Devin Ford top 10 running back prospect and incoming Penn State player uh, first off, always good to speak with you. Thank you for joining the podcast. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Well, we, we know you're not on campus quite yet. We are recording this show um, before the spring game, but you're heading up there this weekend, getting back to campus. Let's go all the way back to last year's spring game when you were still weighing your options and you had Ohio State and Virginia Tech and really your choosing of a lot of top schools. Where was your head at this time last year? This time last year, I think that I was, you know, going through the process and just cracking down on what schools I was going to choose to go to. And I was going to take my official business in order of, like, Virginia Tech and Penn State and Ohio State. And ultimately, I thought that <clears throat> Ohio State, obviously the last visit I take, would be the one I commit to. But, I mean, obviously, you know, I went back in the class, um, got got the commitment already. So I just like, all right, never mind, I'll cancel that. Then, um... You know, Penn State was my last visit, and I enjoyed it. And I always loved Penn State, but I didn't want to, you know, show anybody my love for it. You got to keep it low key. <laughs> so, you know, being up there and just enjoying it and taking it all in, I was like, that's where I want to be. And you know, talked to Coach Franklin, talked to my mom, and my dad, and I actually finally committed when I was up there. So it was nice. So you actually committed to Penn State while you were there for this for the Blue White game. 
I finally committed, yes. Okay, so so you were just playing along on those interviews that we did after that. Oh, yes, yeah, I played <laughs> on those, yes. It's all good, man. It's all part of the game. I got a chance to let our listeners know to go down to North Stafford last year, last spring, and, and that was before you were committed to Penn State. I spoke with you and Nana, uh, and the sense I got was that you were not just uh, you know really well-respected around the program uh, in the school because of what you do on the football field, but because who you are as a person. Uh, talk to us about never missing a day of school until you went on an official visit, and how painful was it to see your streak end? I mean, your recruiting finally got in the way of your studious nature. Yeah, I mean, just growing up, like, <laughs> my grandma would always get mad at me if I'm next to school bus, or and I get home and I get a whooping. So, I mean, it's always been just a thing that I've always been doing. And to me, I just don't like missing school because you miss important information that can help you, you know, in class and just get better grades. So, I was like, at the point, actually, my freshman the sophomore year, I couldn't drive yet. So when I missed the bus, I actually ran to school. <laughs> and it's not it's not that close. So it was nice. And then uh, you know, seeing like going on the vis- official visits and breaking that streak, it kinda like hurt me because I was like, Coach, what am I to do? What am I gonna work on? But I gotta do and it was just all messed up. But it was all there at the end. <laughs> well, I know you were you know, you were, had a lot to think about at the end, but before we focus on what's next for you and, and that decision and everything your high school career, man, it, it, it's over now, but you leave behind quite a legacy at North Stafford. We went over 6,000 rushing yards. You went over 100 total touchdowns. You were a big part of, obviously, some successful seasons for the team. How do you want to be remembered in North Stafford, you know, five, ten years down the line when people talk about your days in town? That I was just overall a nice person and just humble about it. I never went around and, you know, gloated about my, my accomplishments or you know, both about myself. It was always about my team and other people. So that's how how I want to remember that. And how about your football days? Uh, you know, your coach Joe Mangano, who I know recently stepped down after a strong run there at North Stafford. Um, he told me a story about knowing that you were his starting running back. I think your freshman uh, summer before your freshman year, and you know, just a f- couple carries in practice, it was clear. So. You were the guy for four years, but I know that you're definitely a different guy than you were that first year. Can you talk about how you progressed as a running back and maybe the how you're a different player heading to Penn State than you were heading to North Stafford High School? Uh, coming in from eighth grade to my second year, obviously, you know, just carrying the ball and then, you know, doing a jump cut and just, you know, outside zone play. And I uh, cutting it up field and getting downfield. It was uh, a little special field, but I didn't know how to run like that until, you know, coach is actually explaining to me, like, this is how a little running back runs. And I was like, oh, for real. <laughs> and then I was just uh, growing up and then going to camps and the rivals, the Nike, the Adidas, and Under Armour, all of them. I just took uh, bits and pieces from them and also watched my film over the years. I watched always my last year's film to see what I can do to get better. I actually asked coaches that I went on visits to to see what I can do to improve my game. And every year I've always gotten better. I believe it to myself that I have. And it showed on the field. Yeah, and, and the offers yeah. the offers came really fast for you. Um, and I think by the end of your freshman year, you had – a list that you were working with. And, and I mean, by the time you were through your sophomore season, forget about it. It was a full on recruitment process across the country. Um, was there a time where it went from being exciting to being stressful? And how did you cope with that? I don't think it became stressful at all to me. Uh, I've always kept like a low key profile with everything with recruiting wise. And also like just try to keep it, you know, to myself and my family, my coach. Uh, I think that it didn't really start getting stressful or, even just a little bit to like my senior uh, until like I was about to commit. And that's when I actually already knew like, my top three schools, my top five schools. And I pretty much already knew like where I was going to go after that. So I kind of took it like piece by piece, but I also took it in as a whole, if you know, understand what I'm saying. Um, I didn't let it get to my head. I didn't let other coaches sort of persuade me with, you know, just the things they were saying. But, you know, it was, <laughs> it was a pretty good process for me. Even when you weren't sure where you were going to commit, you knew when you were going to commit. And a big part of that reason is because of your grandmother, how close you are. You committed on her birthday last May. Um, Can you take us into that ceremony, that process? I I watched it actually from New Jersey, um, live streaming it on my computer. Um, I was not in on the secret that you had already taken care of business a month earlier. But um, how was that day for you and, and having your grandma by your side? 
Okay, so like in school, you know, after, I mean, before I committed that day or that week, everybody came back, where are you going, where are you going, where are you going? And, you know, it's kind of hard to keep it a secret. I, you know, I already knew I was going to go. So, uh, you waking up that day, I was just happy. I was ready to just get a little lift, you know, going through school day. Uh, I wore a whole jacket the whole day. I wore this outfit. And then, so no one really knew what I was leaning towards. Then, you know, I got home, I changed into my clothes, went to the school, everything's getting all set up, shot on the stage. And you hear my coach talking about, you know, their accomplishments and what I've done. And also, I gave a little speech. And then, you know, <laughs> you take off the jacket, you throw on a hat, and you just wearing a pen stick here, which is it was amazing moments for me and my grandma. On her birthday, obviously, just her birthday present, you know, to know that, you know, college and I'll take care of things to help her out when she when I get older. And um, <clears throat> also just, it was a happy moment to get it all over with. Like, my biggest thing was, I'm trying to, like, you know, like, giving false hope to these teams out here. Like, I'm just trying to get it over with, get settled, and started grinding. And I think that was a, about a 72-hour span where Penn State added a bunch of commits. I think Brandon Smith was on board uh, within a day or two, and it was a huge moment for your recruiting class, Devin. And you guys are going to get back together at Beaver Stadium here. Um, you know, well, I should say again, we recorded this before the spring game, but you guys have a chance to reunite. Uh, a bunch of you are going to be in uniform for that. But but what does it mean to you to, to get get in front of those guys and, and get together on that field and I'm sure you saw this last spring game. They'll introduce you to the Beaver Stadium crowd. Um, what what excites you most about this uh, experience? <laughs> right there is the getting introduced to the crowd, so everybody knows, you know, everybody in the class, and also just you know, put your put a face with the name. Uh, <laughs> and it's kind of it's kind of be cool being up there with all of them, just enjoying the moment, seeing them on the field. Anybody early enrolled will be up there, <sighs> and just. Um, just trying to see them play and see what they can do. I mean, I'm already jealous as they're up there playing and in pads and getting jerseys or, you know, having fun. So <laughs> it's going to be a bittersweet moment for me. Sure, sure. And and, and I, I know you, you – sure, you wish you were on the field, but I know that watching the action, I know where you'll where your eyes will be uh, on that backfield, I, I'm guessing. And, you know, Ricky Slade, Journey Brown, they've both made noise this year, but you've got a classmate – a guy that you spent some time with down in Orlando for the Under Armour All-America game um, before he enrolled in Noah Kane. And, and you and I spoke throughout your recruitment after you committed and, and before you committed, and you talked about being comfortable having that second running back in the class with you, another top guy, and, and, and embracing the competition. But honestly, is it difficult knowing that he's getting those practice reps right now where, while you're kind of working on, on your own right now? I mean, no, not in the sense. I mean, I know that I get to, you know, just watch film with them and also just, you know, talk to the coach about what am I missing or what should I do. And then, so, yeah, a little bit in the way, but not all. It's, it's, it's good for them. He's up there, he's getting the work done. I'm just down here waiting for my time. So I'm going to just be patient with it and wait till I get up there, you know, to you know, go all out. Have fun, start learning, and start getting to see the game. What's the feedback been? I don't know how many guys you communicate with, uh, you know, daily um, in that 2019 class who are, who are now on campus. But when you do, uh, what's the early feedback from them on to what ex- what to expect getting to campus, what they've maybe experienced so far, and and uh, you know what you have waiting for you? I mean, we talk all every single day, pretty much <laughs> in the in the group chat, but. They pretty much just say, get ready to work. I mean, there's not no high school lifting, uh, lifting, uh, you know, times or regular practices. It's, it's full on. It's full speed all the time. So that's what you got to do and you got to be ready for it. Devin, at the running back position, you initially were dealing with Charles Huff as the position coach at Penn State. And then he went with Coach Moorhead to Mississippi State. Ends up with Jaywan Sider coming in last winter and taking over the position. Can you talk about what he's meant to you already? I know you're not on campus yet, but he says you guys are talking a lot. He had high things to say about you and, and actually brought up an interesting name in Saquon Barkley. So how's that relationship between you and Coach Sider? It was really good. I mean, he talks to my dad, that's my grandma, that's my mom all the time. He's always talking to him about just different things related to the football, to the game. And what should I do to get ready for down here? You know, so I'm ready for up there. And, uh, it's a relationship is built over like the past year or so, and it's just crazy how it all started. Like he was absolutely, and I was, you know, obviously still picking my school. He tried to recruit me. I said, Nah, I turned him down. And then after you know, Coach Huff left, and then he became Penn State running back coach. I was like, Oh, nice to see you again. 
<laughs> so it was all good. And then we got, you know, talking and be out there and be with him and, you know, talking to his son and his wife and, you know, the family. It all just connected. He's like the next extra dad to be. He's another dad. Yeah, fun fact. I think uh, Jaywan Sider recruited you, Ricky Slade, and Noah Kane on behalf of the Florida Gators in, in a past life for him. And now he gets you all in Happy Valley together in the same room. <laughs> funny how college football works sometimes but De- Devin a couple of running backs that that obviously have been very popular among Penn State fans in recent years Saquon Barkley going number two in the NFL draft last year and then Miles Sanders who stepped in for one year earned an all Big Ten honor and now a lot of people are projecting him to be one of the first running backs off the NFL draft board although later in the draft certainly than Saquon Barkley what do you think about the brand that, that Penn State has going on at running back and what do you think uh, about the future of that brand? <laughs> I just believe that the brand itself, it, it speaks for itself. I mean, you see Saquon, you see Miles, and then obviously other past running backs. It's Penn State's serious when it comes to running backs. It's RBU. And, you know, going to the competition, it iron sharp as iron to me. So going to the Brady and Jeremy and Noah, we're all going to make it big, I believe, one day. So <laughs> the brand speaks for itself. <laughs> And then, of course, there's going to be someone coming up the pipeline in 2020 and 2021, and there's always the next guy. So uh, we'll see where things go there. But for you and, and your immediate uh, outlook in this backfield, Devin, um, you've got a couple months now before you're on campus. Uh, I'm sure you're, you're counting down the days at this point. But what are you working on You know, a couple hundred miles away um, that's going to make sure you get to campus where you need to be? Uh, pretty much just uh, getting ready, get acclimated to the playbook. Uh, it's because I know my assignment to what I need to do. Basically, my whole thing is just learning my role. And once I get to learn my role, I can excel at that role, and then we'll see where it goes from there. I'm not going to really think too much about the future. I'm going to just I guess, uh, figure out what I need to do now and be best at it. And um, <clears throat> you know, right now, pretty much all I'm doing down here is just working out and getting big and then also just working on my speed and just trying to learn. That's all. And I know in the past you've talked about wanting to develop yourself as a pass catcher and, and you know, adding different wrinkles to your game. And, and you talked about, though, how, you know, there's certain things you do well that, that complement a guy like Ricky Slade. And, and Ricky's obviously from Virginia. Um, and you had mentioned maybe getting on the field at the same time as these guys because of that versatility. Do you think you have the skill set where you def- don't necessarily need to be in that backfield? You, you, Ricky, or you and Noah, or you and Journey can actually be on the field at the same time uh, for offensive series? I honestly believe 100% in that. <clears throat> I mean, shoot, if we can do it all, then we can do it all. So it doesn't matter where you put us, we're always going to be a threat. And then this this uh, Penn State team right now, uh, as currently assembled, it, it's I think a lot of people are getting used to it because um, there's new leaders emerging. Trace McSorley's gone, Miles Sanders is gone. Um, it seems like there's a youth movement. Are, are, what's the attitude around the program right now, as somebody who is part of that youth movement, about where things are heading? I believe that we we like our class itself. I know we talked about it a little bit. And the fact that we all have a mindset that we're going to come in, we're going to work hard, and we're going to and try to improve our team to the best. We know, we know last year was you know good, but we wanted great. So we sort of like that our class now, and then also with my parents, Jesse, all the class, I mean, the people, uh, 18 class, they know what they got to do to get done. So to, uh, to get it done. So I believe that we just have a mindset that we're going to come in and you know, work our tails off and try to get somewhere better than we did before. And again, we're talking with uh, Devin Ford right now, and, and we'll be wrapping up in a moment. But Devin out of North Stafford High School, one of the most prolific run, running backs in that area at the prep level. Again, over 100 touchdowns to his name. Uh, he was invited to participate at the Under Armour All-America game down in Orlando. And then the one I'm super jealous of, he was out at the Polynesian Bowl in Hawaii in the middle of winter, which had to be pretty sweet. Um, but uh, Devin, give us some insight, though. Out of the guys who are coming to your, coming in um, with you uh, who are not early enrollees, who do you think is maybe somebody flying under the radar? Because you've been recruited since your freshman year, and, and you had a lot of, uh, obviously, interest on, from recruiting reporters all throughout high school. Is there someone that you feel like in this class, you know, not the Brandon Smiths or Lance Dixons or Devin Fords or Noah Keynes of the world, that you think could take some people by surprise and really – um, end up being a special player at Penn State? I think Hakeem Beeman will. <laughs> he's not out there yet, but he's a big boy and he got a high motor, and I feel like that, you know, he had, you know, if he had won, <laughs> he's going to do some things up there. He's going to be really special. And also, even like 
JD, uh, John Domo, we call him JD. But I think he has a special talent too with just uh, learning and also just his hands and just being focused all the time. So yeah, think those two people. John Dunmore was down there in Orlando with you and, and should not be surprised that Akeem Beeman, another Virginia guy, gets that mention. Penn State did very <laughs> well in Virginia in the 2019 cycle. Well, Devin, we'll leave it with this. Um, you've got several years ahead of you in Happy Valley. Look forward to seeing you on campus and, and on the field eventually. But what are goals that you're taking with you? Um, you know, whether it's on the field, off the field, statistical, what do you want to accomplish during your time at, in, in State College, whether it's three years, four years, five years? Uh, I can't even, I haven't thought about the floor yet. Uh, pretty much, I just thought about just act, being acclimated in the school and just passing my class and also excelling at just everything. Um, I wasn't even worried about like my stats, so I'm just worried about you know, whatever happens, happens. And, if my future is uh, fortunate enough to do the things that I, I truly do want to do, then it'll happen. All right. Well, I guess, like you say, it starts with showing up to class early and being in that front row. And then, then I guess you build off of that um, after the first day on <laughs> campus, right? Um, yes, sir. Devin, always a pleasure to speak with you again. Um, not too many conversations left until we're doing it with, with you being a member of the Penn State football program. So it's been fun following you. Thanks for taking the time. Hopefully it gives some people a little more insight into what you're all about out there. And um, many of them, I'm sure, will be among those cheering you on during the spring game. All right. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate right. it. Again, big thanks to Devin Ford. Definitely looking forward to seeing what he will accomplish on campus. Sean, uh, I think we just about have wrapped things up for this episode Anything else you want to get in uh, before we pop up again next week with a couple new editions of the Lions 24-7 podcast? Not particularly. And by the way, uh, good stuff with De- Devin Ford interview. Uh, fantastic, uh, fantastically interesting kid. Uh, also a very good student. So it will be fun to watch his career progress over the next couple of years. Uh, Recruiting-wise, Penn State uh, having a couple of guys on campus uh, in the next couple of days. Bryce Austin, defensive lineman from Michigan, is coming in for the weekend, provided he gets over a cold from what he told us. So, uh, you know, there's been a lot of guys that haven't made trips in the past. We'll see if this one comes through in the uh, in the clutch, uh, unlike some others. But uh, Monday, Nick Dawkins, offensive lineman from uh, Parkland, Northeast PA, son of Daryl Chaka Thunder Dawkins, will be on campus. That's an interesting one because, you know, Penn State just got an, a commitment from an interior offensive lineman in R.J. Adams. And, uh, you know, those guys in the interior, their, their time doesn't last forever. So we'll see what happens with Nick Dawkins. Uh, you know, Penn State obviously high on his list. He went, I know he went out to Northwestern over the weekend, was uh, very impressed by them as well. So we'll see what happens with that. But uh, until until next week, no, I think that's probably about all I got. So uh, thank you for following us along, uh, for following along with us on the Lions 24-7 podcast. We know it was a bit fractured this week. We've been uh, back and forth trying to figure out recording sessions, and uh, uh, I think we finally got it done. So thanks for hanging out with us this week, and we'll be back next week uh, on the Lions 24-7 podcast.